Hey, all right. I'm uh, having a little trouble working my lights here, so hopefully you can see me. Um, welcome to the podcast. Uh, glad you're with us. We have a lot. We have a very special. This is history has taught us two things in the history of the world and humanity. One is that you should never invade Russia. Two is that you will be surprised. History is only a list of things that have shown that we will continue to be surprised. So we have a big surprise for you today. Uh, I'm surprised. You're surprised. We're all going to be surprised. It's a really good surprise, though. Uh, we have a guest for you today that we're going to get. Uh, we're going to get to real quick. But um, I actually just wanted to just for uh, you know for the top. I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, guys. You can say hi. Actually, sorry, Tony and Steve. You want to say hello? Hey. What's up? All right. Um, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about the process of putting together uh, one of these shows. Uh, and I, Tony and Steve can definitely uh, corroborate this. We get together, uh, you know, f pulling facts and researching and researching, and we do, you know, we put a lot. We put literally, you know, you just time and time. You spend hour a month, just every month, an hour at least. Um, and it really adds up to, a, to you know, a, hopefully a well-prepared show. Uh, so today we had uh, we had a lot of ideas, and this is what I think is happening. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to put it all out there. I'm pretty sure that we were planning on giving you guys a dumbed-down episode. They were trying to play to you know let John do a little bit more. That was the plan. And as I Sorry. as I resent that, I'm glad because that's not the direction that we are going in. We actually have some some very interesting and very serious uh, turtle and tortoise issues, mostly tortoise, but we'll get to that. Um, so my idea was to uh, go through and replace our favorite movie characters um, with a species of turtle and tortoise. But again, um, you know, unless you really guys want to hear that next week, uh, I, we're going to be skipping that. So um, please comment and tell me how great of an idea that is. I mean, just picturing... You know, some sort of Matamata. I think a Matamata would be like as two Matamatas like Vincent Vega and, uh, and what's the other guy's name? Jules Winfield. Jules Winfield, right. Picture. So just put that stuff on the back burner. Think about it. We're going to have our uh, our best for you soon. Um, that was a Pulp Fiction reference. Yes, Pulp mean. Fiction, yes. Well, that's, I mean, that's one of, one of the best movies, one of my favorite movies, certainly. Um, I think Tony, you can agree with that, right? I am not following you at all, but I but I would agree that that is a wonderful movie. Perfect, perfect. Um, well, let's get right into it. Honestly, we're really excited to have uh, to have this guest on. So we, we want to just kind of we're going to cut, like I said, we're going to cut the uh, you know the dumbed down stuff, the John stuff, and we're going to get to more uh, more Tony and guest stuff. Um, and hopefully, this will be this will be the best episode that we've had yet. Um, so I'm gonna. That probably sounded really salty, by the way. I'm not. It's, for the record, that's not. I'm comfortable with my position. Um, John and I are also both very comfortable making fun of each other and uh, situations. An yeah, situations such as these. So, right. Don't worry, everyone. The the, honey, the honeymoon is not over. Uh, this <laughs> is just us being us. So, in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> probably, probably we should do move forward now. Um, instead of getting into the politics of, of our relationship. Um, Andrew 
Uh, we're going to bring you in right now, so just wanted to to uh, to can you introduce yourself to the uh, to the the crowd? Yeah, definitely, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm Andrew Hermes of Arizona Tortoise Compound. All right, Thanks Al. For having me on. Let's, I I do I don't know you very well, so I'm going to ask a couple questions just to get the basics out of the way right now. Um, so you run Arizona Tortoise Compound, and where is that located in Arizona? Uh, a little bit west of Phoenix, Arizona, a little city called Peoria, surprise area, it's west side of the valley. Okay. Um, what type of, as far as your, um, as far as your, you know, your business operation, your, you know, we're gonna definitely get into more about how you're, you know, you're these guys that definitely uh, has a, has a good thing going, is able to do your, you know, work with these, you know, these guys full time. Um, so we want to talk about that more, but just, uh, can you give us a basic rundown of what your operation is? Yeah, it's fairly, fairly plain and simple. I care for different species of tortoises, uh, raise them and breed them, and kind of sell the offspring online. Uh, throughout the year, I acquire different tortoises, and I have to let some go throughout the year, so make those available to the public also. Okay. But uh, that's the main operation of Arizona Tortoise Compound, and over the years, stemming from the business and working with tortoises, we were able to branch out to a little bit of the educational side and uh, research and, you know, trying to help help out the tortoise species in general. Okay. Awesome. I mean, that definitely sounds like a, you know, like, like a dream come true, so good for, good for you on that. Um, what, I, I, my main question, I guess we can just talk about some of the business stuff uh, right off the bat. I just want to know how um, how you're able to make it work? Uh, what has happened in the last like? Obviously, there's been a you know a large change in the last ten years, whatever. With uh, you know, with most of the stuff being done on the internet. How much do you use the internet in your in your business model? hundred percent inter internet based. There's no uh, storefront. Local sales uh, really isn't there. We don't do any reptile shows here locally. Um, pretty much just ship nationwide and. Uh, for one reason or another, it's just really worked out well for us. That's. <laughs> could you speculate on some of those reasons? One reason or another is uh, why it why it's worked out, or yeah. Well, I mean, what's I'm. I mean, obviously, you don't want a ton of competition, but like, if someone was looking to get into it, what are you know? What's the type of thing? Why does your business work? And you don't have to reveal too much. I mean, I don't need to be like that penetrating, but just what makes it sustainable. Huh. I, you know, I, I really don't know the main reason why it works. I guess you just try and it does work out. Uh, on the business end of it, we appeal to customers because our prices are adequate and not unreasonable. Same prices as what I would like to see. And then just mainly we treat others how we want to be treated. So, uh, you know, returning customers is a huge base of our, our business. Uh, they they appreciate the customer service and being treated with respect, and uh, just answering all their questions and being there for support. Um, the reptile industry is a lot of repeat business. People that are in it are in it, and they're there for a lifetime. So, can I speculate? Do you mind? Go for it. Sweet. All right, I'm going to speculate a little bit. I think everything you said about to answer John's question, I know that's not a, a necessarily an easy question. No offense, John. Um, that wasn't a dig at all. I, it really wasn't. I'm not being sarcastic. Um, 
I think I think that everything you're saying about being you know having a good reputation is really important. I it, it's really important once you're breeding the tortoises or the turtles or what have you. I think the biggest thing is actually breeding healthy animals because if you there's a market so people are going to buy what you have and if they don't you just lower the price on your Herman's tortoises ten dollars and then they'll sell quicker. But I, I just I I personally can't have I can't do what you do because I can't do what you do in that I can't I can't breed animals the way that you do. You're a master, uh, you're a husbandry specialist, and that the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Now it helps that you're in Arizona, and you know yeah, we're all nice. yeah. We're I mean it's it's been dark here for like three hours, and the high temperature here is 25 degrees today. Uh, mm -hmm. But that that has something to do with it. Number one comment I guess for most people to say is all the tortoises that they see on the property, they're real healthy. Right. So just paying attention to detail and caring for them daily, checking on them and feeding, feeding them variety and moderation. Just and caring. It just shows through your work and what you do. And that just goes through the tortoises that I have and offer. But don't get me wrong, I get a a lot of ups and downs. I run into health problems myself, uh, cross-contamination. Say a, a box turtle hatchling jumps into a leopard hatchling group and gets them all sick. So I do experience my downfalls, but overall just offer and make available what you'd like to receive. Um, I'm a seller just like a purchaser, so I buy animals and receive them through FedEx and random people as well. And, you know, I know what I'd like to receive and I'll send that to the customer that way. So. Right. Absolutely. I think that's I th I think that's the important thing to keep in mind with that is is that this is a, this is a guy who knows what he's doing and I think that's I think that's where um, the success is where the success come from. If you if you are a successful breeder then you're going to be a successful business person, but you have to be a successful breeder on a big enough scale and I think we all can appreciate that as people who I know John and I um, kind of grew up, so to speak, in Rhode Island when we were in college, and we used to visit a friend of ours who owned a, a reptile-themed pet store there called Pure Paradise Pets, which is a really great stop if you're ever in Rhode Island. Um, mm -hmm. They have shout out to yeah. I mean, you talk about a place in Rhode Island that's not—it's not Florida, okay? But you can see, uh, you know, he has giant sulcata tortoises, um, an aldabra tortoise, a full-grown alligator, and a full-grown, well, debatable, a large green anaconda. So if you're, and, and many other uh, notable herb species. So we, we kind of grew up going there and seeing, but you, but you see that, that what he's doing is a dream of ours, but at the same time, as you kind of are around it, you see... The difficulties that go into it. So you're dealing with customers, and you're uh, you're responsible when you sell an animal that that dies. And you um, you at the end of the day, a profit is important because it is your livelihood, right? So so you can't 100%. If we're just being real about it, you can't 100% be in it for the animals because you. If, if you're relying on it as your livelihood. So I think that's a delicate balance that I think a lot of people 
fall short on, just from my own observation. I don't mean to be rude, but I, I don't think you're one of those people. Can you well, speak to that a little bit, Andrew? It's definitely a balance, but dealing with live animals, if, if you honestly don't care for them or care for their well-being, there's no way that you'd be able to maintain them because they'll end up failing on you. So, mm -hmm. uh, right. again, dealing with live animals, you gotta you got to have that care and, and shows. You wouldn't be right. able to do it for the long haul if you're just setting things in buckets and, and sending them out. Right. Uh, not not that much profitability with, with tortoises to be able to let, you know, half of them die off before you, you right. get them or whatnot. But luckily it's a passion, so that's the reason why I've been able to model it into a business and make a living off of it. And, you know, right. again, very lucky for it. And to, keep, to sell a lot of animals and to keep a good reputation. And I think that's the difference right. between, I think that's the difference between a breeder and a dealer. And, and we talk about that all the time, and I, uh, to us it's something that we kind of have figured out over the years, but for any maybe newbies out there who don't know what I'm talking about, um, you, there's, I'm not going to say any names, but there's a, there's a Fauna classified ad that says Breeder Direct on all the things that they're selling, and then they sell Russian tortoises that are over four inches and um, things of that nature, like animals that are really commonly um, imported. So if you look at it, you can see they they maybe bred one out of the ten species. So I think that's I think that a breeder is the key word, and maybe a lot of people want to act like they're breeders, but I think that what Andrew has going on is really is really breeding um, for profit, but doing it really the right way, um, and kind of um, differentiating himself from some of those other dealers who are who do most of the selling online, who you see most often, and this is why it's so important to find the right person. When, after you do all the research to make sure you're finding the right species. Um, that's, it's important you, know, you need to find something that sets yourself apart from others, and that's the one thing that I found. Maintaining all the different species I actually offer on my website makes me better educated and versed as to the care and the upkeep and what needs to be able to have them thrive. So that's definitely one thing that sets me apart from most others. What I offer is what I personally maintain and care for. And don't get me wrong, I do buy offspring from other breeders locally and sell them through the website to help me out when I don't have things available. But again, I maintain the adults and I know what it takes and I can share that knowledge with others. By your website, you of course mean ArizonaTortoiseCompound.com. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, correct. Uh, is that uh, like the type of website that our listeners should check out, do we think, maybe? Yeah, then more than welcome to come check it out. Uh, it's fully up to date with pictures and information, and feel free to send me an email, and I'll help you out answering any questions. Beautiful. And he really will. Right now we've uh, maintained 38 different species or subspecies. I'm talking about uh, adult groups that are breeding or on their way to breeding. So uh, every year we continue to increase that and keep it going. That's so cool. I don't breed anything. Oh, <laughs> don't make fun of me for that. <laughs> you guys know a lot of stuff going out there too. Don't don't cut yourself. How long? How do you keep like? What is the the, the basic arrangement for them? For for any of the uh, just I mean, give me an example of what they're housed in. 
it's it's kind of doing it on a large scale. There's a lot of uniformity and redundancy, so it's just simply wooden enclosures uh, or wooden perimeters with adequate space. You need to have the all the normal stuff, water hole, food dish or food plate, you know, a home for them to be secured to and different edibles, things like that. I don't know if you saw any of those pictures through my video. Yeah, that's great. That was great. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really awesome. I'm How sure you'll hear some you hear some dogs barking and some trains going by here in a little bit, but that's just how we have it here. Okay, we have a picture up of your uh, of your website just right now for everyone that's looking. Um, what's how large of an area are you working with? What's what's your uh, what's the property that you're on like? I'm spread out onto actually three different properties. So two okay. properties are half acres, and then the third location is just a common backyard. Okay. Oh, it's awesome. That is great. Do you, Andrew? Andrew, do you need a bodyguard? Because I die for you. <laughs> I've got uh, my Mastiff, so they stay by my side, but I need to get you guys out here the next uh, TTPG conference. I'd like to get a representative oh. out here for you guys. That's fine, but just so you know, I'm sleeping with the tortoises. Not sexually, but I'm going to sleep in their, in one pen. In one of their pens. I've got large enough houses you'll be able to get a sleeping bag in there and cuddle up with some ivories. Yes. We need to get, get Russ to schedule it a weekend earlier so it's not my anniversary weekend. Oh, that's my problem. It's my wife's birthday on the day of the conference. So, past yeah. few years, pretty upset. Yeah, that's always it's always our anniversary weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> Funny oh, how that works. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it, listen, I'm I'm really gonna take you up on that, and I'm really gonna sleep sleep with the with the ivories, just because so I could say I do. I'm gonna wake up with a with a tortoise doo stuck to my forehead, and that's okay. That's the chance I'm willing to take. Wouldn't be the first well, time. Nice and heated, so you'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I did it just yesterday, I just, I woke up like that just yesterday. Um, so uh, what what Andrew and and the rest of us are talking about is the um, the turtle and tortoise preservation groups uh, annual conference, which takes place in Mesa, Arizona. Is that correct? Everyone? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's around like the middle of November. And um, it's growing in popularity every year, and basically it's getting to the point where if you like turtles and tortoises as much as we do and you don't go, then you get ridiculed by many people um, <laughs> around that time of the year, which has basically been happening to us for the past couple of years. So I really, really, personally, I really, really want to go next year. Um, a lot of knowledge and information shared and a lot of, a lot of insights that help out. You presented there, Andrew. Um, how was that experience? I uh, scared out of my mind. So, <laughs> but no, it went real well. Uh, did a half an hour presentation. Felt like it was only two minutes worth, but got a lot of compliments and a lot of people said good job. So, what did you present on? Uh, just general breeding tortoises in Arizona. Um, kind of enclosure layouts, what we feed them, how we take care of them, how we separate things. I uh, did a little slideshow and a little bit of a talk. Uh, I had some video footage to upload, but the monitor wasn't working or the computer wasn't working with us, so that was a little bit of a bummer. I think that's but great. overall, it was fun. It was good. I, I think that's great because you, you have this expertise that you've worked for years to perfect, and I know that you have some people who have been nice enough to share with you what they know when you were getting into it, but for you to return the favor 
or pay it forward on on that large of a scale, I think that's a great thing because you know I'm not going to say that people like a lot of people will willingly uh, neglect um, fellow enthusiasts who are kind of up and coming, but um, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of planning and a lot of nervousness and public speaking isn't yeah. for everyone and I think you'd agree that you it's not your favorite thing in the world but you realize the importance of education and how important it is for you to get up there and do your thing. Uh, same thing when I was learning and researching myself and trying to figure out you know how to maintain and care for impressed tortoises not very much knowledge and information is out there so right. what I could find and gather and put all, all together in a bundle might as well try to spit that out and make it easier for the next per person looking forward. They can find it all in one location rather than looking at 50 different sources. So, so here's a cool question that I have, if you guys don't mind. Um, so we have a lot of people who watch our YouTube page and our Facebook page and, and yours as well who really like tortoises. And we kind of like all species, right, for different reasons. But we also all have our favorites. What what would you say is is your favorite species? Um, what's your favorite species? But then also what's your, what's what are you most excited about right now? Because I think that's probably two different things. Like a project and you're excited about right now. That's such a hard question. And... It's so hard I couldn't answer it and I can't do it to where I'm trying to kind of gather up small groups of everything. So I think that's the reason why I have so many different species that I, I maintain and care for. Each each one has its own little classification or, or uniqueness that makes them awesome and exciting to work with. So uh, a lot of a lot of different categories of, of things. Right. For example, the, the best looking tortoise, I think the prettiest facial features and good-looking animal would be one of the female uh, angulated tortoises that I have. For some reason, I just get a kick out of that look and, and what she what she is. So I'm pretty excited about the angulateds. Uh, newer, newer groups that I recently acquired within the past year or two that are just now popping off and showing some breeding activity. I'm probably excited about those groups more so as, as those cycles come around and then when the next species pop off, I'm, I'm excited about those. So, uh, again, I get a kick out of all of them. Definitely enjoy them. It's kind of like sitting out back and feeding the birds. I like sitting out back and watching the tortoises. So, you're gonna be the coolest old man in it ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're either gonna call him that, or they're gonna call him the crazy tortoise man. But yeah, I get some type of crazy label. I'm sure. So, a lot, a lot of people enjoy that I let them come over and take tours and, and check out the private facility or the setup. You know, uh, a lot of people. That's, pretty, that's definitely that's cool, old guy. Like that's definitely yeah. not crazy. I don't think you can't be a crazy turtle guy in general, anyway. But that's cool. Yeah, I, well. I can't. I can't. Um, I, professionally, I can't diagnose people, but. Uh, as a behavioral, as a community behavioral health professional, I'd be willing to bet that each one of us has some some serious mental illness around turtle and tortoise love that um, could probably merit some sort of diagnosis. Just saying. Yeah, I'm sure of it. If people oh, aren't into into tortoises or reptiles that much, they yeah. kind of look at you funny, like, "What yeah. the hell?" Are you 
So no, but they're but they're the crazy ones, though. It's not like it's not <laughs> us. I I refuse to believe that it's not us. It's actually really true. You know, it's I think it's um and and you know this is getting a little philosophical, but we we are into something that a lot of people aren't, and I think that says a lot more about us in a positive light than it does other people because we. Uh, now it is a kind of a weird um, niche within like wildlife. It's or a niche within world. a niche, definitely. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's, but it's we we care we are so interested in something that we're willing to research it and to learn scientific jargon and Latin names and we're reading books that were meant for for scientists and and I, I think that um, I think that says a lot about us in an age when most people are just you know playing video games or whatever else in their spare time you know I agree yeah. I agree 100 percent with that I think it's definitely it there's a there's a basis I know I talked to this before but you can tell a lot about a person by just the way that they treat animals in general and then you know with Turtles and tortoises being the coolest type of animal, that then is even more indicative of how you feel about um, how you feel about them. That's right. For sure. Um, I want it real quick. I just wanted to to uh, to mention one thing. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep our conversation going. Hopefully, that doesn't stop the flow. But uh, today's episode, uh, we have a sponsor. It is uh, Garden State Tortoises. Steve, do we have a, a picture or something that we were gonna show? And there, there we it go. is. There's your logo. <clears throat> GardenStateTortoises.com. Check it out. Um, we're a closely affiliated group. Um, Chris Leon's definitely a good guy that does well. The, the turtles and tortoises that I acquired over the past you know, years all have been super healthy and just have no complaints about them. So he does there a good go. job. He really cares for his things and it shows. Yeah, he's, he's a good friend of the Turtle Room. He's helped write some of our educational resources, just as Andrew has as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, check out GardenStateTortoise.com as well. Uh, and check out what Chris is doing, especially with uh, the Westerns. Herman's tortoise is um, is big passion species for Chris over there at Garden State Tortoise. Yeah, he's definitely doing and, big things with those. I rope the two of you in together with, um, as far as... As far as um, having a good reputation because of what you're doing to, you know, the, the healthy animals you're producing, that your species that you're passionate about, um, he's the same sort of thing. He's probably breeding on a smaller scale than you are, but he's doing it in New Jersey, which is so cool for us because it gives us kind of a little bit of hope as um, cold weather turtle nerds to be able to, to still find a way to contribute, to yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the things that he, yeah, he deals in means a lot too. So he's he's making things and doing things on it. You don't have to be. It's not about you know how big you are or how many species that you have. It's it's all about what you do have and doing it right. And that's what Chris is doing. You know, large production with. I the feel like I heard that advice he before. I can't remember where it was though. Something that nature. Not about the. Size. It's about how you're doing it. What we're talking about. There you go. Yeah. Okay. It's my mo It's my motto, actually. It is. Oh, that's where I heard it. That's where yeah. I heard it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um. 
Steve, do we have any questions yet that we can ask? Uh, we can no, answer? we we have not gotten any questions through YouTube yet. Okay, people, right. what's going on here? We're uh, we blocked off a lot of time for you to give us questions, so let's let's, let's get asking. We have we have a tortoise guy here. Come on, um, Steve. Maybe would you like a little shy like myself. <laughs> Um, and you would you like to make up a question and pretend someone said it in so it looks like there's a lot of people watching? Maybe we can do that. Yeah, but that's what uh, I want to say. Steve from, Steve, from now on, I want you to make up questions when we ask you if there's any questions. Yeah, that should the answer would never be that there's no questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, Squirrely77 in... That's the most fun part would be getting to make, you know, get, you get to make up the name of the person that's asking. That's, that's yeah. definitely... Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a, I got a question for Anthony. How are your flat tails doing over there? Oh well, um, they're not the most uh, rewarding species I've worked with yet. I actually lost one. It's been really, it's been really crappy for that. But and I, they just don't seem to be flourishing yet. Um, or I don't know if they ever, ever will. So it's been kind of a bad one. But um, Andrew's referring. Thanks for bringing it up, though, Andrew. That's great. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I didn't know. I haven't heard any updates. So. Well, you know how That's that probably why. Right. You know Trust me, he would update you if it was going well. <laughs> Good one, John. Thank, Thank you, you for making fun of me. Thank you for kicking a brother when he's down. Um, yeah, I, I, um, they're a great species. What, what Andrew is referring to is Pyxis planicata, the, um, the Malagasy flat-tailed tortoise, which is... Um, one of the, uh, really one of the world's rarest tortoises, um, maybe, I don't know, um, top, I think they're top 40 in the, um, in the, what was that list done by the IUCN, Steve, in like 2011? I think so. that list is actually trouble? a few years old now, so. 2011. Yeah. Yeah, and there was the top 25, and they didn't make the top 25, but both they and their other species in the genus, um, Pyxis arachnoides, or the spider tortoise, were both in, like, the others receiving votes area, which was, like, ended up being, like, the top 40. So one of the top 40 rarest turtle or tur uh, tortoise species in the world. That's Madagascan, right? And we Yes. Yeah, and we should say Anthony is doing quite well with Pyxis arachnoides. It, yeah, it's not a as, disappointment in the planicotta. Yeah, not it's not as, as, it's a hit or miss. This is this is the way you know. This is the the business we've chosen. Sometimes we we lose yeah. things. It's not. I don't know. Yeah, I should, I should say I'm not doing as well as Andrew with the um, spider tortoises though, because he got an egg recently. Is that correct? How long ago was that, Andrew? Correct. That was uh, three days ago now. Uh, that was the first viable egg so far um, since awesome. I've had the group. She laid her first egg last year and it was broken in the water dish. So Oof. this year makes number year five. So hopefully we'll be able to get it to hatch and have some success. So. I love you and hate you at the same time for that. I just want you to know. That is the coolest yeah, thing ever, but I'm so jealous. Long-term project, but a nice payoff once it once it happens. So. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's and that's one of the things too. Those babies are worth a pretty penny, which is which is nice. But what's what trumps that um, so much is really is is what a, a special animal that is. And 
The fact that it doesn't matter, you know, when Sulcatas came to this country, um, African spurred tortoises, when they came to this country, um, they were, they're were they a rare species in the wild. And over the course of the past um, probably, I don't know, probably two decades, because I know they were here like in the 60s, but not in any big numbers or anything like that. Um, so over the course of like the last two decades, they've become really popular in the trade. And uh, that'll never happen to some of these smaller species. Uh, as Andrew said, he got his first viable egg, so that's a one-egg clutch. So here's yeah. here's a species that's extremely rare in nature and in captivity, and it lays one egg at a time. And um, it also requires a, a pretty difficult diapause um, through incubation, so that, that animal will just never be common, ever. Definitely a species that uh, you know, not for the money. You're not going to be profiting off of, off of those, but just what you can do with producing, producing them and helping them in captivity. That reward is is what you're shooting for with that species, those species. I have a question from a listener. I was just gonna. We actually have. I have one. a question from a listener too. <laughs> we, we all had really time. Do. We all had time while he was talking to write our questions. I think is that what, is that what happened here? Awesome. <laughs> we actually do have one. Uh, yes, in fact, one. fellow uh, Turtle Room uh, staff member, Tom, Ooh. over in the UK, in Wales, was wondering if you work with any of the homopus species, Andrew. And I'm guessing the answer is no, as they're quite rare, but... Correct. Yeah, the answer is no. I see pictures from Europe and over the seas, and I just get jealous. Uh, last year, we were trying to work on bringing in a group from uh, Hong Kong. Uh, they're just just a harder species to come by in the U.S. with uh, the four-inch law. That's where it makes it difficult. But if, if you know the right people and you got the right money, you can definitely make it happen. But we we haven't yet. Yeah. There, I, I got, I've gotten to see um, the smallest one of those, Homopus signatus, at Tennessee Aquarium. Neat, neat little tortoise. <clears throat> I mean, yep. you, you think about one of those females laying egg, and the, the egg's, you know, a quarter the size of the tortoise. I mean, it, it's huge compared to the, to the animal it's coming out of. Yeah, we had the pleasure to see a pair at the Baylor Center last year, and that was really neat seeing them. Oh, the that's cool. Spectrum. Which, uh, which yeah. species? Were they signatus as well? You know, I, I can't remember, to be honest with you. I've got two questions now. You do one, I do one, you do one. No, because you have fake questions. I have real questions. I don't have fake questions. What kind of... What, what's, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm, get, I'm like an expert on ESPN right now. I'm getting, I'm getting texts from, from people who have the cell phone number as opposed to people <laughs> leaving yeah, messages. Yeah, on. What's the question? All right. Well, well I don't know... What, all right. I'm going to ask this one first. Andrew, um, what's the species that you would most want to work with that you don't want to work... That, I'm sorry, that you don't work with now uh, more than anything? Yeah, the, that would be right there. The homopus, um, the, the paired beaks. Uh, exactly. Man. Yeah, for me it's... Uh, I think of those some of those African tortoises. Uh, looks like Andrew hiccup there for a second. I I think of Homopus and uh, Samobates as like the they're kind of the 
no man's land of tortoises for us here in the United States because there's just not a lot of them here. And you hear horror stories about how people brought them in or zoos and just lost large numbers of them. And that, yeah. that's kind of what motivates me to try to accomplish that. I think I could make it happen. Just need to yeah. find the right animals and then update them legally. That's cool. So, ready for another question? Shoot. I'm going through my email. All right. Are you working with Impressa, um, and have you had any luck with them? Um, have you had any had any luck with them? The Minorities Impressa, yeah, we have a 2.2 group. It's a small group. Uh, it consists of three captive bred animals out of the Atlanta Zoo, and then one wild caught female from six years ago, supposedly. But uh, the wild-caught female, she's an adult, we acquired her last summer. So we're hoping that she'll be able to uh, offer up some eggs net this year coming up. But the rest of the group are young animals still. Again, hatched in 06, so you're looking at about nine years old. I think they need about another inch to grow before we see some activity. Okay. But uh, they're all thriving and doing real well. Um, they've got their little routine set up, so I think we'll be able to get there with a little bit more time. Um, just so everyone, all the listeners know, Impressa is, of course, referring to Minoria Impressa, um, or the Impressed tortoise, which is a rare tortoise species, which is really cool if you want to look up um, photos of them. They're really cool-looking species. And a few of the videos that Andrew has on YouTube, um, and that we have on YouTube, feature his um, impressed tortoises. So um, y if you research them, you will definitely be impressed. <laughs> Great species. They're, they're definitely quirky, and they have their own little things that they do that make them interesting. So they like watching you and checking out you, same thing while you're sitting there looking at them. So they're pretty neat. If you have the opportunity, definitely say go for it. They're, they're, they're so old-looking. They look like a, the oldest... They look like a dinosaur. I think that's what I love. I can agree with the way that the way they look is just so interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, so just just so you know, those questions came from Jared and Andrew. He said now he has to beat you to to breeding in Presta. So just so you know. Well, I hope he does. They, that species definitely needs the help in captive bred situations. There's not too many uh, out there that thrive and do well. Uh, you know, Ben had some, and those were the only ones being offered for quite some time. So, right. Yeah. One of the many times I wish I had more money. <laughs> That's what that was. Exactly yeah, that was. can't keep everything. We're not. I haven't won the lottery yet either. So. <laughs> you have to play to win, I hear. Yeah, that's my problem. So. I'm hoping maybe one of my family members will win and share a little bit with me. <laughs> Hope they share. Um, we, we wanted to see if we could get a uh, one of the videos of the impress. I'm working on it right now. We're working on it. Okay. Um, I I'll have one of my listeners um, called in a question, so I'll, I'm going to go ahead and ask that one. Uh, this is for. This is for everybody, not just Andrew. And this is actually a good question. So don't, it's, there's a, a half of a joke in here, but it's, this is real. Um, 
the uh, the listener's name is um, I breathe from my butt eighty five. Um, good. good you, got, you you thought I was gonna forget about that tone, Steve. You thought I was I forgot about the butt breathing uh, turtle thing. I did not. Uh, the question is dealing in dealing with uh, mortality of turtles that you keep. Walk me through the process. You you walk into your enclosure and you find one of your turtles or tortoises in your case. Uh, has perished. How do you handle it? What do you do? Yeah, freak out, throw your hands up in the air, and say, "Oh no!" But uh, usually, you can you can smell them before you see them. So that's a bummer <laughs> there too. You can walk out and then just pinpoint it real fast. In um, that case, Tony, you may be dead. Yeah, it was <laughs> definitely definitely dead. But uh, you just gotta live in you. Live and learn. So, depending on the species and how valuable it is to you, and you know, obviously the cause of death, you might want to take it down to the vet and get it fi figured out and see what you could have done differently. Um, but dealing with live animals and the nature, and you know, that's the way things go sometimes. So, older animals perish, and you know, we didn't didn't want it to go, and it and it did, and we just got to keep rolling through. So, that's what I do. I so you take a circle of life approach. Like it's going to happen. There's not a lot you can do about it. it you know, you obviously you're trying your hardest, so you you do your best. And then if it happens, it happens. Is you know, is it is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes you hold on to it for an extra day to see if maybe it'll start moving, but uh, right. usually doesn't happen that way. So yeah, gotta let it go. It's so interesting to hear that you do that too. I always do that, and it never works. It never works out, ever. No, no, never does. But you know, just like any other failures, it's a great way to be able to learn and see what you did wrong or what happened, and be able to better yourself. So it's a learning experience. So as long as you learn from it, then it's not too bad. You're still getting something out of the out of the situation. I usually um, I hide it from my wife because if I let her find out, then she tell she she has a, a horrible uh, time um, dealing with the loss and basically coming to grips with the fact that it's a part of what I do, and um, she doesn't really enjoy that very much. And then I call Steve and I tell him, and then I tell him not to tell anyone because I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> because it makes it harder for her to let you buy your your next tortoise too. Yep. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's true. What do you need another one for? You're just gonna kill it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. So, so neither of you, nor I don't know, Steve. No one performs services for the animal. I, that's what I did when I was a kid. I know that. I get maybe I we moved on from that. I I would I've definitely given eulogies for hamsters before. Yeah, um, I think no, enough channels their grief in that way. Is that weird? We don't keep. We don't necessarily keep pets. I don't have enough space or electricity or um, energy to keep animals just to keep them. Steve's a little different than me. Steve keeps pets. I I don't. So everything I have. Okay. So this is. So you have detached yourself from the situation. So you don't believe that it's that you have anything to do with it. They're gonna. They're not pets. They're just. I love. That may die. No, I love turtles and tortoises, but I see this as a as an opportunity to um, study them and to breed them. They all have a job. They're all here to um, to. I work with rare species, so their job is to reproduce. 
um, and I only have so many resources to make it happen. So if I if if I take an if I have like one single animal of of its species where it's not breeding, then it's taking up space, and it's I'm doing that animal and its species an injustice if I'm not trying to breed it. So I don't. Now I do. So emotions, fond, do you have emotions for these for your for your animals that you are yes, keeping breeding. I still do, and they still they still get names and things like that. But it's just it's different than a lot of people think of them. I think when you're when you're when you're into it as as deep as some of it, some of us are, it's it's a little different than just having a single animal because you like it. Um, it Steve Steve hangs on to a lot of his animals, but I think he still will identify what I'm saying a little bit. That your 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 entire pl game plan becomes different. Whereas a lot of people who are just into it for the first time want one of every species so that they can see the different animals and they want community tanks with different species. But then towards the end, you're keeping animals separately or with their own species because you're concerned about how it will all affect breeding and the health of the population and stuff like that. So to bring that home then, how that changes the way that you deal with one of them dying. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yes a little and bit. no. Yeah, Steve, I want to hear yes We're going to go no. all the way around. I like it. So Steve, tell me. Um, What's I your mean, process? <clears throat> It really depends. I think there, even when you get, uh, even when you are a little more, I guess, detached with them because you don't see them as pets, there still are animals I believe you get uh, um, attached to, and so some of them will hurt more than others, um, especially if it's uh, an animal you poured a lot of time and effort into as well. Um, you know, our mine uh, live in the main uh, living area of the house still, though, so that's one of the reasons why, for me, they're probably a little more... Pet-like is just because yeah. uh, they're literally right there in the living room. You yeah. know, you could you can't so, attach them if they're right there. Yeah, right. yeah. It's not like they're down in the basement away because we don't have a basement. So, Stephen his tur Stephen his turtles are are sitting in there watching the Steve Harvey show together every. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Steve Harvey. That's been a while. Steve Harvey. I was talking about his his talk show, not the not the sitcom. Just saying. Well, at least you'll be able to watch your tortoises and make sure that their daily routines are, you know, doing the same thing. So maybe you right. catch some health issues a little bit sooner. So there's some pluses to that. That's true. That's very true. I, I just, I'm just think that that was interesting. That that, you know, the way that we have four distinct ways of handling if something, you know, the way that we rationalize what happens when one of our the animals we work with dies. Um, we have a video. The video is ready to go, so we're going to show you a quick video, uh, and then I think we have some more questions. So let's let's, uh, let's roll on that. Steve, is this going to be a silent playing of the video, probably? Yeah. So let's do that, and we can talk over it, which would be cool. Yeah. What video are you uh, highlighting? It's a surprise. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you look confused. What's up? Talk to me. You're on mute. Can't, you got to talk louder than that. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. No. We got nothing. We're seeing and hearing nothing. Yeah. We can keep talking. Yeah. We can keep talking. Um, we can. We can. That is an option. It's a viable option that we might. While we're waiting. I have another question. Ready? 
Ooh, this, good, one, no. this one comes from Jared in Florida. Um, he'd like to know how many bags of Missouri tortoise diet do you go through? How 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 quickly? Uh, surprisingly, not not too much, not too fast. So maybe about five bags uh, every three three weeks, four weeks, maybe five bags a month. <laughs> That's fast. <laughs> oh, we don't we don't offer it to the tortoises too often. So maybe once a week, maybe the adult tortoises once every two weeks. So more of the natural landscape and natural edibles um, make life easier. It's a little bit cheaper also to be able to offset the, the food cost balance that way. Mm -hmm. That's but, cool. Uh, I, I like Missouri and I think it's good to be able to give the tortoises something hearty and something filling and a good, again to diet variety and moderation so it's nice to have another uh, food source to be able to offer. Yeah, I you know my my spider tortoise is just like would not turn the corner and start making real progress until I started offering Missouri. Actually, well, I shouldn't say that. I, they I've never had a species that grows at such a different rate. So um, I had one that they were all around the same size when I got them, and then one was three times the size of the smallest one in about a year and a half, and. Um, that little one was very active, very strong, very, very healthy in pretty much every way, except it wasn't growing until I introduced Missouri, and then almost overnight it started to grow. And um, same thing, not you know, not the entire diet, just as a supplementation um, to the diet. And but you could see what a what a great item it is um, to be able to to offer as part of the diet. When they're eating it, you know that they're getting their fill. It's, it's so heavy that you know that they're they're getting enough of it. So you feel good that they got their their food intake for the day. So yeah, right. great. Okay. Do we have um, Steve? Do we have another question? I believe we have. Yeah, we do. Um, Tom actually has another one for us. Let me uh, get it back up here. Um. He was uh, asking Andrew if uh, your business organization has worked closely with any zoos in regards to conservation efforts. If so, what species and programs have you been part of? No, no, no programs, nothing like that. Uh, we've, we've reached out to the TSA, um, our local organizations here in Arizona and in our state level organizations be able to help the native tortoises and um, not very many uh, open doors on, on that end of things for us so I'm not, not too sure why that is if it's because we're a business instead of an individual um, but we're, we're open to help out for anybody just like how you know we procured our relationship with Tur Turtle Room um, just helping out so no uh, don't work with any breeder loans, any organizations with any large breeding groups or helping anything out. It's just all individual and pretty much private what we do on our own. I think that's cool. I, I don't think there should be any pressure on that, uh, that you should feel any pressure or anything like that. I mean, how, you're, you're a relatively young guy. How, how long have you been at this? How, like, when did you start the Arizona Tortoise Compound? Well, I'm uh, 32. So I started Arizona Tortoise Compound as a business, uh, I believe, six to seven years ago. So 
uh, still fresh into it in terms of how long tortoises live and other other breeders started off way back in the day. So uh, right. many years to come. That's the nice part about it. So yeah, I you're you're I think you're just you're having so much success right now, and like like we talked about, you have this great reputation, and I think what's cool about this hobby is that we get, um, and, and being young in this hobby, as, as we are as well, is being able to see how things progress over time, and we can collaborate with one another in ways that the older generations never could, and I think it all come in time. Steve and I had these conversations. If you look um, a couple a couple years ago, we didn't have any connections with any zoos or anything um, either. But as as time progresses and you start to make a bit of a name for yourself and start to reach out in a professional manner, next thing you know, you do have some contacts, and then obviously those contacts lead to other contacts. I always talk about every year. I can't believe how much progress we make in what we're doing. If you look from year one to year two to year three, it's like, oh my gosh, um, night and day from where we started to where we are. So I think you're, you probably experience all the same things that we do. Yeah, most, most definitely, I'm sure of it. That's cool. Just How so everyone, go ahead, John. No, that's fine. Go ahead. Now I was just gonna say, just so everyone knows, when when we were talking about Missouri tourist food. That's a 25-pound bag. So that's a lot. Like, I w if I had that, I have, like, uh, let me think how many. I have seven, uh, I have, like, 13 tortoises or four 14 tortoises, which by normal human standards is a lot of animals, which is a joke. But I, it would take me, like, two years to, to use one bag. And he says he, he, he feeds it very seldomly, and he's still going through three bags in um, in that amount of time, that's pretty. That's 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 really telling to to like you may not feel like you have the most animals in the world, but to me, you are you have like I can't even imagine what that looks like. All those animals out there, it's so cool. And I mean, I've seen the videos, but it, it's just it's just such a cool thing. It's that's that that's my idea of heaven. Your backyard is is what heaven looks like. I'm convinced. So, uh, tortoises and aldabras are the ones that put down the Missouri big time. So they're they're probably you know, consume one third of that total just themselves. So I believe it. I definitely yeah. believe it. <laughs> for heaven, heaven for me is like they're they're there, but like they're 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 like people. So I'm like having like a drink with them, and they're like big, like tortoise yeah, definitely, mug. Definitely just hard to, hard to keep anything planted in those enclosures, though. They like eating it all down to the bare minimum. I bet. I bet. Gosh, my my still cloudy. John, do you remember Kong? When yeah. you see you see cigarette butts in the bottom of a broom if you left it anywhere near him. He ate everything. Yeah. We lived in Providence. It's a, it's a disgusting place. I'm sorry. It's. I apologize. I I have to totally disagree with that. For our Providence people. Not that bad. We just happened to be a lot of cigarette butts on our floor. What? When was there cigarette butts on our floor? Land. Hmm. No, I'm saying outside. I built a pen oh. for them, and then just oh, because we're right, in Providence, right. cigarette butts would constantly find their way into the tortoise pen. Right. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah, that's a bummer. 
tobacco is poisonous, retorted is, and those cotton swabs aren't very good either. No, 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 no. Yeah. And I have no idea why this tortoise was um, attracted to everything that was bad for it. Everything. <laughs> Not unlike humans. You could you could put down some some hay or some Missouri or some nice some nice dandelion or something like that, and it'll run right after your shoe instead, or after a piece of trash right. or whatever it could find. Your rock. We were talking about this last episode. That's why, I mean, I think that they know. That's, they're, they're just messing with us. They're messing with our heads by they, they do those behaviors. I think most animals, I really think that they just are, are it's all tongue-in-cheek. They're laughing at us. <laughs> they just want the attention, huh? Yeah, they know. They know what's going on. They're not. We've got a viewer named Randall who says he's uh, been to your uh, facility, Andrew. Yeah, good evening, Randall. He's definitely a good gentleman. I believe he came over with his little daughter while he was on vacation to Arizona. So, oh, so jealous, Randall. Oh, Randall, and, uh, always, Randall always gets to do all the fun stuff. <laughs> but real, real nice guy, real nice family for sure. Uh, he also he's also wondering if uh, you're going to show off some tortoises before it gets dark. Uh, it's kind of already getting dark. <laughs> The tortoises that are out and about, they're a little bit too far away, and then this uh, phone conversation starts getting shaky. So maybe I, can, yeah, maybe I can walk around and find something, but give me a little bit of time to fulfill that request. Take you got all the time that you want. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> any, any other questions, Steve? Uh... That's uh, what I've got right now. Come on, man. We're, you're so... You Randall's know, doing a good oh, job of it. We do have one more. Sorry, we do have one more. Um, Creativity from you. You're supposed to make it up. Juan uh, is asking how hard it is to come by Pelusios Nanas in private collections, so this one's more for Anthony. Oh. <laughs> well, what did you say the name was, Juan? Juan uh, from YouTube. Hey Juan, uh, thanks for the question and thanks for watching. Um, I they, they are very difficult to come by in private collections. Um, however, it looks like it's becoming um, much easier now. The price has dropped from from thousand uh, dollars or nine hundred and fifty dollars uh, per animal to um, twelve hundred dollars per pair over like the past year. And those are for imports, so they are being imported. So you're probably going to see them get cheaper, and they're not that difficult to breed. Um, well, I shouldn't I shouldn't speak to that. I've never bred them, um, and they've barely ever been bred. But um, from one of our partners, Jared, who has had success breeding them, um, it hasn't been the most. Uh, it's it's relatively straightforward. So I'm I'm thinking there should be some more breeding and captive hatch. Um, Captive hatch specimens should be available for for purchase sometime soon. So a couple, at least a couple people have bred them, but the hatchings haven't been available yet. So um, if you have money, you can get them. They're not necessarily. I don't necessarily know how rare they are in captivity, but um, hopefully there'll be some available soon. So now we can talk about what Andrew's doing. <laughs> I was trying to find some tortoises for you, but what species of turtle were you just uh, speaking of? Forgive me. Just now. Yes. Uh, Pelusios nanus, the, Af the dwarf African mud turtle. Okay. 
Randall asked me a question on Facebook. Randall asked me a question on Facebook a few days ago about my elongated tortoise's head, what the colorization was. So I'll show you a picture of her. Her head's definitely yellow with a little bit of a pink tip. Yeah. She's a younger female. She just laid two eggs for her first time for us uh, yesterday, actually. But we got her in a little holding holding cell overnight, so it's nothing special while it's cold outside. So cool. Awesome. I, I was just talking to um, Chris Leone at, um, at the Hamburg show with Steve and remarking on how elongated tortoises are probably um, the most underrated species you can get, turtle or tortoise, right now because um, they... They're relatively inexpensive, they're an endangered species, and they're awesome, and they're far more uh, appropriate for captive keeping than your sulcatas, for instance. So they're selling them for $100 for hatchlings. Like, that is $100 they were going for at the show, and people are still buying sulcatas for $60. Not to say, you know, that there aren't certain people that should or could have sulcatas, but, I mean, for the extra 40 bucks, it's a no-brainer in my opinion. Yeah, definitely endangered out in their native environment. So you would kind of think more people would be keen onto them, but they're not not very popular. Yeah, and sulcatas again are endangered in the wild. However, they don't need help from captive breeding. They have had plenty, and to the point where now individual animals are suffering because of it, because they lay large clutches and they're overrepresented in the um, in the pet trade. And uh, if you look at Craigslist anywhere in the country you'll see pyramided uh, sulcatas um, that are obviously suffering. And those are awesome. <laughs> Some, uh, I don't know how well you can see the picture, but a few radiated youngsters. Those are radiata. Oh, my gosh, I love them so much. Wow. That's so cool. How many of those do you have? There's uh, 11 of them that were, we were planning on holding them back and trying to raise them up, but uh, I think we're going to be letting them go here pretty soon, yeah, making them available on the website. He decided to send them to Connecticut, so I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> someone's got to keep those, someone's got to keep, take care of those darn things, you know? I'm just, I'm, hap I'm happy to do it. Beautiful. Really cool. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, we are going to uh, we're going to wrap it up now. Um, I just want to definitely say from the three of us, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate it, and we really thought we had, like, we had a good conversation, had a lot of fun. Um, so thank you for being here. Definitely. Thanks for having me on and letting me be a part of it. So something new for me and enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay, beautiful. So guys, please check out, uh, again, his website, ArizonaTortoiseCompound.com, and check out the website of our sponsor, Garden State. Um, what's, the full, what's the full website? GardenStateTortoise.com. GardenStateTortoise.com. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, I was going to say turtle, and I didn't want – I was like, wait, that's not right. So I just wanted – GardenStateTortoise.com, uh, check out TurtleRoom.com, and we will let you know very soon uh, when the next episode will be. Uh, so thank you for coming. Uh, I've been breathing from my butt this whole time. <laughs> Have a good night.
Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Definitely. Pleasure.